episode of First Strike. We're excited to be here tonight. Before we start the show, we're going to plug our sponsor, faceofacegames.com, the number one place to get the ma- your Magic the Gathering singles. Right now, the weekly sale is 25% off gaming supplies, which means this is the best time. If they're not go- gone already, to stack up on bricks of sleeves, you know, dices, deck boxes, what have you. This is the best time to get it tonight. We got, I thought we had, final nub in the chat, but looks like he's, he's sort of disappeared. Oh, no. no I was coughing, sorry. How's it going, John? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. I, I, I'm, I'm loving, John. Um, straight, even though we had him last week, we're bringing him back in to see what he's learned from the underground dojo. And uh, here we got, we also got my man, Andy. Uh, we missed him last week on, on a lot of controversial topics, but uh, how did your midterms go, my man? Uh, they uh, they went uh, better than expected. I, I made a quick post about it on Facebook, but I said, uh, one reason I think I'm a good student, I did well on two midterms today. One reason I think I'm a bad student, I did not know I had two midterms today. <laughs> and that actually happened. I just showed up to class, and a girl was asking me how I was worried, feeling about the midterm. I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And she's like, it's rough that we have two today. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. So just wrote a macroeconomics midterm on the spot, no studying. <laughs> well, glad it worked out. Um, John? Well played, sir. Well played. All right, let's go to the topic that uh, wanted Andy on the show. People wanted to hear Andy's thoughts because Andy, Derek, usually are pretty feisty and um, strongly opinionated about stuff. And and this one, I find it really awkward because it hit so close to home, which is the topic of Dan Lantier uh, caught cheating on camera. And then he was exposed for lying about his deck list. He indeed, he likely had just two stomping grounds and uh via Dan- daniel fournier he showed an email that he uh, dan lanty was emailing to premier play at wizards.com i'm just gonna read it really quick to whom it may concern this past saturday i performed an illegal action in a dci sanctioned tournament the action itself and subsequent misinformation that was shared which at this point are all very well documented and stand in complete defiance not only to magic tournament policy but my past accomplishments honestly earned and the moral code i hold for myself i can't explain or justify my actions but know that i'm deeply remorseful and regret that all of the personal development that I've worked for in the last several years is left diminished as a result. Cheating has no place in Magic. I'm not the first player to ever break the rules of the game, and I most certainly will not be the last. As many have noted in wake of this and past events, playing competitive Magic is a privilege, not a right. Having squandered that privilege, I ask that beginning with me and going forward that the penalty be permanent suspension from organized Magic. My hope is that this provides a strong deterrent for anyone in a similar position to mine to be tempted and make the same mistake, resulting in a healthier Magic experience for everybody. Uh, Dan Lantier. Um, Fournier goes to say, Lantier asked me to share the statement which he sent to Watsi yesterday. While I'm still obviously very upset about the cheating and the deceit, I'm satisfied that he's finally taking the correct steps forward in not returning to the game and fully admitting to his actions. Furthermore, I'm happy that he's correctly identifying one of the big issues with those who cheat and otherwise scum their way through magic events breaking the social contract of fair play that we must adhere to and should lose the privilege of participation. And of course, like, like the first reaction also of this letter is like, oh, is he, do- is he martyring himself? Is he doing it so he's saving face? Is he doing this for his own good? He doesn't actually feel this way, but here, like, maybe now like, the rule will change because of him, stuff like that. But let's go straight to your Actually, initial reaction to the cheat and, and, and the reaction to the statement as well, uh, Andy. All right. So uh, the, my initial reaction to the cheat was that it looked incredibly smooth and that, uh, I don't know, at first Dan's original statement was that he was trying to correct the game state. But my the first red flag that I saw go off or, or red light or whatever you want to call it is that why would you not talk to your opponent about this? You're like, Hey, I think I dredged too many. I'm just going to slide this pub back in there. Cause your opponent would be like, Oh, look, you did dredge too many. We'll fix that. That's an easy fix. And you could even, especially at a tournament like this, you could fix it with your opponent with the judge, almost no problem. The fact that he didn't do that leads me to believe that the intentions of Dan Lantier are as a cheater. And he is a cheater. And one of my least favorite, but the thing that hurt me the most about all this was that once he was caught, 
it was just lie upon lie upon lie piling up on uh, on social media about what he said was actually going on. So at first he claimed that his list was different because he did not own four copper line gorges. He posts his list later. It has four. And he says, oh, I was wrong about that, whatever. He could be flustered and that may be fine. But then he posts the list. He's like, this is the deck list that I played that weekend. Proven wrong immediately because it has three arid mesas in it and there's video evidence of three arid mesas. Or, uh, sorry, it has two arid mesas in it. There's video evidence of three arid mesas in his deck for that tournament. So he's he lied again. Once just proves more that he's a cheater. And uh, one thing that I hate about this statement, which I hate a lot about it, is what, there's a, a line that says, uh, uh, stand in complete defiance of not only to magic tournament policy, but my past accomplishments honestly earned. I don't believe you. I don't believe him for one second. There's other things that have happened now that I immediately question. And these are the kind of things that when they happen to someone with a great reputation, you can look past them. I remember at a Grand Prix, Dan Lante in a losing position, confiscation coups of Chandra that is about to ultimate. Do, you, do I think it's possible that Dan could have been very stressed and confiscation cooed by accident, thinking, oh, I'm just going to coup this? It's possible. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think Dan cheated there. I think there's other times he's cheated and that a long list of things is going to come out. And it just shows that Dan Lantier has been and will proceed to be a cheater. And in um, my opinion, he should not be allowed to ever play Magic again. And I hate this statement because he burned all of his bridges. He torched his social currency. And then he makes this Hail Mary play of like, look, Magic, I'm going to make you better. I'm the cheater of the people. Dan Lantier, I will martyr myself for you. You're welcome, everybody. Like, this, I, it, does, it doesn't make me feel good. Like, do I want him to get lifetime banned? Yeah. Do I want, like, do I, I don't want it to be because he asked for it. Or I, I want basically it just to be he got lifetime banned because he cheated, not because he's trying to, Dan Lantier is trying to make the game a better place. So that's, that's how I feel about all that. Um, and, and what what do you expect will happen though? Like we, I think we all expect the same old, nothing too crazy. I expect one and a half years. I think uh, it would have been six months, but all the lying has would lead it. All the lying that was found afterwards would make it one and a half years. All right, Hopefully. my man, final nod. As, as someone who's like a sort of, I mean, <laughs> I always laugh at everything. I say this all the time, John. When Andy, I don't know if you know this, when, when John like, reacts to certain things to me, I just take it for granted that these things are new and, and awesome for someone that is freshly into competitive play, so like two years in, as, as John said uh, last, last episode uh, that he was on. And uh, to me, I just, again, I just take it for granted. Um, it's like, last time he messaged me, he's like, oh my God, someone messaged me because I said I didn't play Grishel Brand anymore on, on the First Straight podcast. And uh, yeah, I'm like, yeah. People don't necessarily watch us live, but we definitely have uh, listeners and the stats back that up. Um, John, what was your reaction to uh, the cheat? Look, um, you know, maybe I can offer a pretty fresh third-party view here. I, I didn't know who Dan Lampier was. I know he was kind of from a, kind of a prominent player in uh, the Toronto area. Um, the first thing that alarmed me was how smooth the cheat was. If, you, if I can recall back and refer to the um, uh, Burton Cheney uh, Kira cheat, um, it, it was such a smooth sleight of hand. If you're a normal person that's trying to uh, uh, amend a mistake, there's going to be hesitation. He did not even show that. It was clearly pre- premeditated, in my, uh, uh, in my opinion. And what Andy said um, holds true for the most part. I think I agree fully. Um, for example, I'm looking at the email now, and Nowhere in the first paragraph does he use the word cheat. Uh, he performed an illegal action, misinformation, etc. He never does he anywhere say that I cheated. I'm sorry. And as far as I know, I don't think he's um, he's conveyed a message of the sort um, anywhere. Um, this is uh, this is the only form of communication I've I've, uh, I've uh, seen from uh, Daniel Lampier since the event and. 
it really makes me wonder if this is just a gambit and um, uh, just try, trying to get some sympathy points to not get banned for life here or whatever. And I think I agree the DCI will, or they, they should really ignore this email and basically conduct their own investigation and make their pragmatic uh, ban. I personally think it's going to be like a year, a year and a half. It, it's just really disheartening to see a high profile previous GP winner like this uh, be uncovered for cheating because I've said it before and other people have said it before, cheating is stealing from people. It's stealing from people's time. Um, like just coming from me, I, I work full time. I have to plan these GPs ahead of time, flight, accommodation, et cetera, et cetera. This is my one escape um, to play competitive magic um, for, you know, once every like two, three months. And if I find out that my opponent who I've lost to um, affected me because they cheated rather than um, because of fair play, I would be incensed. And I don't think anyone should really marginalize um, any form of cheating, to be honest. And this, I think, really was very intentional. So um, I really hope that he gets what he deserves. But I really hope that he truly does comes to appreciate the damage that he's done, and you know, just comes better. Not, not in the magic community, but just like in general as well. Because I don't think this sort of behavior has a place in the world. Period. Let, let alone in magic. And again, uh, when you were fresh uh, into the scene, John, uh, I mean, we we had talked about Dan Ward winning the event that you top aided, and. Uh... And his sketchy pass, and and he ultimately uh, was confirmed as a as a cheater. If I'm if I'm correct, right, John? Uh, he got banned for like half a year, I think. So happened to you, even like so closely. It was in the top, and you played against him in in the Swiss, right? So well, I I didn't, but I did have an anecdote. You know, he was um, we were the backup uh, feature match between me and Rossum. He and uh, Syed were playing for the winning in, and I think. I kind of overheard him, like, just kind of unjustly, I think, hurried Zan and just I mean, making, like, an untimely decision without giving him enough time. And I had met Dan for the first time, and I introduced myself, and he, he seemed like a well-intended guy. Obviously, I was wrong, and obviously, really, listened to never cover. But, yeah, it did, it, it, was, it did happen pretty close to, um, pretty close to um, the event that I was really close in, so it's very disappointing. Ready? Um, but uh, we'll see. I, I don't think uh, I don't know uh, what the ultimate result is. Uh, Andy, what would you like to see, though? Like you, you'd like to see lifetime, right? Is that is that what you say for for Dan? Uh, I I would be fine with with a lifetime ban for Dan and for Dan to find some sort of happiness somewhere else. Alrighty. Um, so moving on to the other big source of controversy over uh, the past week was an article uh, posted on Hipsters of the Coast regarding Todd Stevens. Uh, breaking news, Todd Stevens fired from Star City Games for allegedly sexually harassing women. Todd Stevens, content producer for Star City Games, has been fired from Star City Games and suspended for three years from the Star City Games Open Series for allegedly sexually harassing women. Sources tell Hipster of the Coast. Multiple sources have confirmed that Stevens was fired and suspended after a group of women reported his behavior Star City Games two weeks ago. They alleged that he had acted inappropriately towards them in at least four instances while he was drinking at parties after magic events. According to a source familiar with the situation, Star City Games promptly responded to the women's complaints and took their allegations seriously. Hipster of the, of the Coast reached out to Star City Games on Saturday about the situation, but declined to comment and wouldn't confirm if Stevens remained employed by the company. On Tuesday morning, SCG tweeted that they are no longer contracting Todd Stevens to create content for a website, but were unable to further comment on the matter at this time. And uh, Stevens has written for SCG, which is one of the world's most popular Magic the Gathering content producers since February 2016. He joined Team BCW in December 2017 and started the Ponder Podcast in April 2018. Stevens is currently ninth on the SCG Tour leaderboard and has been planning to play in the SCG Modern Open this weekend, this past weekend, in Dallas Fort Worth. However, he does not appear to have played in the tournament. Okay, so that sums about it. Shocking news uh, sent shockwaves uh, on the Twitterverse, on the internet, in the Reddit world. 
Uh, John, what was your first reaction when you when you uh, heard about this news? Just horrible situation all around here. Um, very shocking. And um, after the fact, um, uh, several um, SDG grinders, I think, came up and said, hey, you know, uh, I'm glad he got this. Um, they weren't surprised by it and all that. So I'm, I'm going to infer and uh, assume that it was a very repeated pattern of actions. I know he was one of the most um, most recognizable and uh, popular uh, streamer slash content pro- producer slash player, and just, just I was a bit stunned when I heard it. And yeah, it's just, it's just horrible. Andy, what about you? Um, uh, I was uh, blown away by seeing a prominent figure uh, abuse the the social power that he has and uh i'm upset that it it was a pattern and i'm upset that it all happened and i'm not upset that he's banned and i i hope he stay hope he stays away too it it was pretty i was pretty blown away blown away is a good way to put it because i didn't see it coming and there's others who said that they did see it coming they're closer to the situations than i am but i uh, had no clue and Kudos to those who were brave enough to speak out about it, and uh, kudos to Star City Games for taking immediate action. Or as a, I don't know if it was immediate, but for taking action. Well, it certainly, it certainly sounds like due due um, diligence um, was conducted. I, I think it was two weeks ago that um, they first reported it. So I, I do hope that um, due diligence was conducted sufficiently, and as this is a result of that find, uh, the finding. So I really do I really do hope that's the case. It was right, and I personally I personally do wish that all the victims um, they find their um, peace and um, um, move out of this uh, situation here. And for for um, Todd Stevenson Stevens as well, um, I'm not gonna. I, I think it's kind of inappropriate to speculate like whether alcohol had to do do with it. One, a lot of people are speculating that because um he had a lot of drunken uh twitch streams and he would get very belligerent um let, like let's not assume what, what degree if any of like problem these like private problems they had I, I don't think it's in our place to nor do i think it would excuse any inexcusable actions like that so i, I do hope that he like gets appropriate punishment whatever it is comes back reflects on himself and just um just comes out a better person, whether it's in the magic circle or whether it's just uh, as a functioning part of society. That's my opinion. I, st- I strongly hope it's not in the magic circle. I, I'd be fine if he's gone forever. Me as well. It seems like there's, there's a bit of, as, as per usual with, with any of this uh, controversial news, um, some negativity, a lot of uh, let's wait until we get all the facts, uh, a lot that um, were, were too early to, to jump on suspicions. And, and there's a lot of debates between different people, whether it be Reddit, Twitter, whatever, Discord on, on this subject. And um, I think at the end of the day, I, I really, as per usual, as the moderator, don't have, um, not really comfortable talking about this t- touchy subject outside of um, being against uh, this type of stuff, against cheating, against harassment of, of, of any kind, and that um, that people should feel that they could talk to people about this, that they could talk to me about it, and that, that I would believe you, and not um, no matter who it is, like no matter who um, the, the person in question would, I mean, I, 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 I'm still shocked about the Dan thing because, man, we, we playtested a, a pro tour together and I never suspected a single thing. But once, once I saw the video, it was just really clear cut to me. And um, yeah, I just, all this has dampered me a bit, but I, I think that there, there's still good people. Uh, there's definitely a ton of good people. Uh, in this game, and definitely, um, I'm a little lost for words, guys. I'm a little lost for words. 
I think one thing we can say really is like let's let's you know collectively be better about it. Let's be vigilant. If you see something that you think like is something wrong with this picture, like let's like think about ways that we can like contribute and like remedy it. Whether it, and it doesn't have to be directly confrontational. It can be talking to the person. It can be just like thinking about what the best way to approach this problem is. Like ignoring it or just turning the other way, I think I think only contributes to the problem. I mean, that's that's part of probably part of like what what enabled whatever happened. Um, so, like let's all be collectively better, you know. Yeah, I think I think it's important, and I wanted to say this that so the people who are in like the let's wait it out stance on, uh, for example, like Todd Stevens, for for all intents and purposes, a hundred out of one hundred of these are true. For all intents and purposes, obviously, it's not literally 100%, but it is such a minuscule number that you should always assume that, like, allegations like this are true, in my opinion. Yeah, like, I, I, I made the mistake of reading into the, deep into the Reddit hive line, for example, and there are some people that was, like, tweeting, like, I'm with him without, like, ever, what, what, it's one thing if you want to wait for evidence, but if you want to jump to that automatic conclusion to that side like there's something wrong with you i think like let's let's be a bit compassionate let's just like critically think and see like just think for yourself whether you know you think it's true so i, I don't know like the twitter sphere and the reddit hive mind sometimes is very toxic I, yeah, I, I, I don't want to hear any garbage like that and i don't want to give any garbage like that the time of day so what whatever's next yeah <laughs> all right um let, let's let's now move on to the so magic actual magic playing content. Woohoo! Um, we got you on, on the show, Final Nub. You you were in the dojo. You were working on some standard, but uh, let, let's go straight to modern. Modern. There's um got a plug that in November, in the middle of November, there's the Calgary Open Plus 5K event where the finalists each get a spot at this SCG of the upcoming SCG Invitational. Not only that, you get four hundred dollars towards uh, the flight, so you don't have to worry about you know, a, a super expensive flight. We're, we're going to try to cover as much as possible of it, so you can go there, and the SCG Invitational itself is just a great high-value tournament money, so definitely try to qualify, and, and I know the Calgary Open Plus is always a, a packed event, so let's, let's, let's go with Modern, and um, let's start with this Steamkin event, uh, Steamkin deck, rather. That ended up winning the uh, Modern Showdown in, in Toronto at Face to Face Games Toronto. You took a look. It, it features a freshly new card from from Guilds of Ravnica. So, real or fake, uh, Mr. Final Nub? Well, first of all, there's more than one. There's Steamkin. There is the Arclay Phoenix, and some lists even play Risk Factor. A brand new archetype. Um, I'd actually. Um, tested this pretty extensively for the last week here. Um, I know uh, Jerry Thompson uh, wrote uh, quite a bit about it, Ari Lax as well. Um, my friend uh, Warren Smith, who um, those two have quoted and credited with some of the, some of the um, ideas. Holy Diva, the streamer, uh, has been very prominently speaking about it. Um, it's fun. Um, if you've ever played uh, Standard Red, you know those Steam Can combo turns with uh, Experimental Frenzy, which it's pretty, pretty nasty. Um, the deck is good. The, the deck is explosive on its fundamental turn, or it can be explosive um, kind of rarely when it can get the multiple arc light uh, into a graveyard into attacking sort of turn. But I found that, um, one, it's not that consistent, and Faithless Looting is by far the best card in the deck. And when it, when it doesn't have it, it, looks, it's, it feels very mopey. And two, it, it's Suffering collateral damage from the dredge uh, resurgence, and without your graveyard, um, Arclight Phoenix is a four mana uh, insectile aberration. No one wants that, and Revlor is more or less un uncastable. And I think the power level is not high enough, nor is it fast enough. It, it's somewhat resilient, and there's Revlor, there's Arclight, there's ways to keep chaining spells to keep the Arclights coming. But I think there is. Um, a lot of work to be done still. That is not to say that there isn't potential because I think there is. And personally, I think um, one of the mis one of the problems is that it doesn't have a payoff, a concrete payoff for the steam can turns. It doesn't have like a bang fire. It doesn't have like 
uh, reforged soul. I don't know, but uh, Ari Lax suggested uh, act on impulse, which I think is very good. Um, the other thing might be um, flashing a color. Um, it can't ever beat a graveyard deck right now, but um, an idea I had was uh, thinning the ice and adding blue for a charter course and or is a charm. And I think that uh, as a bonus, a funny bonus, Revelor is also a horror. So when um, Thingy Ice flips, Revelor does not get returned. Um, and it deals a lot with the creature matchups. So I think there's work to be done. I think there's potential. But, you know, as someone who is uh, preparing for uh, GP Portland and the RPTQ, modern RPTQ in December, I'm kind of off the deck, but hopefully optimistic that the hive mind will find something. Hmm. So. So not something you're gonna you're gonna test in the dojo. I have been working uh, working with the under underground cabal to speak, but it, there were games which was impressive. But it's linear. It can't ever beat the uh, a card Tarmogoyf. It can't ever beat a graveyard deck. There's a lot of holes, and I, I think it needs a lot of work. Okay, so you had talked about like people were disappointed. People were messaging you about like why? Why are you giving up a Grishol brand? Why are you uh, turning your back on us? And you had predicted that Dredge is likely the better graveyard deck. Were you surprised by the SCG results that we're seeing? One finished second, one finished third. Uh, humans, bunch of human decks. Uh, ultimately won by four color death shadow. Uh, initial reaction to that top eight. Look, the fact that Dredge was not like was everywhere, not a surprise. Caleb Sure did not play Storm. He played Dredge. Um, Zach Elsick, I think, was also on Dredge. Like, and if you played on Magical Online at all over the last two weeks, Dredge was everywhere. I think if you are a competitive player, you should have expected this. And you know, it, if you wanna if you wanna point out how um, warped it is right now, Zan Sides human humans list um, in the top eight actually played two Tormod's Crypt and two Grafdigger's Cave. When your humans list is playing actual, factual um, graveyard hate, that's when you know something's up. And as a, as a player who's trying to aspire to winning, I think it's irresponsible to play a worse version of something, and I think that's what Grishel Brand, unfortunately, is right now. Is there, is, is there a way for Grishel Brand to come back? Under what conditions would it be the better graveyard deck? Um, you know, I think Tron and uh, Valakut are well positioned right now. Valakut, if they can main deck Relics, main deck uh, Angers, have a relatively fast Goldfish, I think it's very well positioned. Uh, Tron with um, Wormclaw Engine and main deck Relics and a bunch of uh, um, uh, sideboard hate, I think it's very well positioned as well. And if these factors suppress humans, I think there's a chance that we can come back. Or otherwise, really, like, I've seen Elves List play Ley Lines of the Void against me. Like, it's completely untenable right now. So I think it's fine to have this in my back pocket as part of my range, and I'm okay shelving it for now. But it's, it's very hostile. <laughs> I love it as part of your range. Um... So what, what would you start with uh, testing if you were someone like interested in GP Atlanta or whatever, or GP Toronto, all these modern tournaments, what, what would uh, Coach Final Nub say to uh, his students? I think Big Man is the place to be right now. As I said, um, Balakut still has a respectable goldfish, and its interaction is very good right now. Ang between Anger, um, uh, relic and you know you can even splash black for slaughter games because combo a fast combo is a very weak part uh, of its uh, metagame uh, metagame breakdown um, that can be good or you know you can splash white for a timely reinforcement rest in peace and or stony silence I'm not sure if that's needed but it's just an idea uh, Tron I think has a, a pretty good matchup against humans um, and its predators right now are being suppressed right now like Burn for example has went from a pretty good matchup with Dredge to like unwinnable because of creeping show game one and it depends on what kind of sideboard cards you have i think there are these like subtle um shifts in the metagame really dictate that big mana is the way to go the other way to do it is to go over the top with like amulet titan or faster combo like ad nauseum or even in fact like what where's just guy where's jun right now nowhere to be seen why don't you just go even faster i think those are my ideas right now Andy, is, is modern on your horizon? Are you playing much modern? Do you care? Uh, well, I played in a face open a couple weeks ago, and uh, 
Dredge being back at such a rate is, is pretty terrifying as a humans player, so I'm not surprised to see four cards in the sideboard for, for Dredge, like two Cage and two Tormod script. Makes sense to me. I think uh, those uh, Lotus Lotus Box, those Lotus Box people do a very good job with the humans deck, and I think uh, I like that list going forward. And props to, to Holy Diva for creating this like essentially totally new archetype. As far as I knew, she was the main creator of the first one, like the Mono Red Runaway Steamkin Arclight Phoenix deck. Crazy. I I personally could never come up with something so original. So props props to them. Don't worry, I'm just a net decker team. You are? You're the godfather of Grishel Brad. Yeah, what part <laughs> of the you guy? That? No, that's Bob Wang. I I just carry his torch. I'm a net decker at heart. <laughs> I still remember when we first had him on. He's the guy. Final nub. Um, and, and I know, like, when, when you, we had you last on, um, you were trying to explore a way out of the green-black standard mess. Uh, do you think you, you have a solution for us, uh, John? I, I kind of think so. Um, it's been a trend, and I think it's not archetypical, but, like, focusing on a single card. I think a card that's criminally underplayed right now is um, the card, the Immortal Sun. Um, I think as, as the format slows down, like there's barely any like small red aggro right now. A six mana win the game or, you know, put you, put you ahead kind of an artifact that shuts down Planeswalkers. I think it's great. Um, <laughs> noted a, a magical online grinder. I think his name is Julio Jody. Um, he had an abs analyst that was basically green black. Uh, splashing for Night of Autumn and uh, March of the Multitude. I think the March of the Multitude is very good in the mirror. Um, I also think that um, he doesn't uh, he doesn't play uh, any Planeswalkers, so he can slam the Immortal Sun, and that shuts off uh, Vraska, both of them. That shuts off Vivian Reed, uh, shuts off Teferi's or Ral uh, Zarek, and it gives it makes the creatures bigger, obviously, and draw its immense uh, card advantage. And best of all, a braid is not around anymore. And what kills the Immortal Sun right now? Like, the um, Assassin's Trophy is very taxed right now, right? Um, some people, like uh, maybe yourself, Derek, um, are going uh, back to uh, Contempt. So I think the answers for the Immortal Sun is very, very little right now. And um, I-, I would be interested in exploring that card a bit more, whether it's an Abzan or... I've been a fan of the Big Red uh, archetype with Wily Goblins and maybe Sarkhan. Uh, that Rappo uh, online has been doing well with. So why not why not take out the car and Scion of Arza and start playing the Immortal Sun? So I think that's um, that's the direction we're going here, and I think we're all slowing down, getting grindy, and maybe the solution is to go under again. But I'm interested in going bigger right now. Ooh. Welcome back to the show, Derek. What do you think of uh, someone that that says green black is everywhere? Uh, last episode. What do you think about uh, John's uh, little theory here of, of, on the Immortal Sun? What's your take? I think it's really cute and not that applicable. Um, basically, John, or Final Nub already went over uh, a trophy being a good answer to it, which I think is basically the best answer to it currently. Um, you have, like, I, I play two, some people play three. Uh, if you just answer the Immortal Sun, like, the deck can't play more than two, really, because it's legendary. And then you get bogged down on uh, non-creature smell spells. Um, so if you uh, if you like go all in on the Immortal Sun, like you're just going to get ground out by other decks, also, right? Like maybe it's good against Green Black. But what about Jeskai? What about Arc Like Phoenix? What about Mono Red? Right? To me, like y- you may be beating the Green Black deck, but I just don't think that you're beating the rest of the format. No. The underground dojo. <laughs> listen, Not- listen. People, people started uh, playing that big red deck against me also. And I just put like a reclamation sage in my sideboard. And you just, like, you just play it and they chain roll it and you just like fine broker it back and then blow up something else. Like, yeah, please kill it. I want to loop this, uh, this reclamation sage. So I don't know. I think, uh, I think there's always an answer in green black. There's always a card. Where you're like, oh, I have a card. Well, Green Black has another card. They just have to know what's coming down the pipeline, you know. 
But what do you think about this uh, Abzan list that this uh, grinder has been doing well with? Apparently, I mean, Abzan splashing white for March seems seems kind of good. And I understand your point about uh, trophy and uh, the Immortal Sun. And but I think let's say if it sticks, very good answer. And none of your plane walkers, or if you're playing them, work, and they can't act, they can't decay at Rebrasca or anything like that. So I kind of feel like it's like a bomb that it's a must, must answer that only two cards can answer and you know blue white x with teferi or rao or whatever i mean it's still good against them right maybe i'm being a bit naive yeah you're, you're definitely right it's not nothing um i played against the abzan early deck earlier today my opponent went turn one elf turn two wild growth walker turn three double explore creature smash you turn five play uh immortal sun and i just scooped on the spot because i already used my assassin's trophy on something else and uh, I was, like, really far behind on board. But then game two, I knew exactly what their game plan was. I didn't put myself in a position to get marched out of the game. And, like, I think that's how they win the majority of the time is they EOT march you, they untap play Tristani or, um, or the Immortal Sun. As long as you can see that coming and try your best to play around it, to me, like, it's a very noticeable game plan. And, you know, like, maybe you get people a couple times but you're not going to get people forever. Um, and to me, like, it's a high synergy play, right? You need two or three cards to work in a motion, whereas, like, green, black is just value, you know? If you march on the wrong turn and your opponent has a fine finality, you're in some trouble. Fair enough. <laughs> what do you think about the white splash, though? The white is splash is definitely um, interesting. That deck is uh, very annoying. Because it always seems to me that they always have it all. They always go Wild Growth Walker into Path of Discovery, into March of whatever it's called, explore a million times. I'm at 80 life. I have five lands in my hand, but the top card of my library is another March. It's like, yeah, whatever, you know, like, you can have this one. I'm not playing Jeskai, right? But, uh... I don't know. I, I, I could never play, play, take a deck like that to a GP um, simply because I know there are other insane people still trying to play a Jeskai in this format, um, still trying to play a Big Red in this format. So I think that uh, you're, you're going to run into those people also who, who aren't down to play Green Black Mirrors all day. And I don't fault them. It's not a fun game to play sometimes. But uh, you got to do it. So where where are we at? What what should people play? What do you, is your prediction for the pro tour still the same, Derek? Would you still be willing to uh, wager some some hugs on how you feel about it? How the top eight will play out? Yeah. So um, I, I'll say this probably a million times. Um, I think green black is just the two best color combination because they have all the tools to beat every deck in the format. The thing is, I honestly don't know if green, black can consistently beat every deck in the format. Maybe they can beat two out of the four or three out of the four. I think most other decks can only beat like one or two out of the four. If let's say there is four, maybe there's five, maybe there's six, right? I think green, black has the best chance to beat every deck in the format, but that doesn't mean it'll consistently always do it. Right now, my biggest issue is the Arc Lake Phoenix deck, and that's simply because it just got popular over the last week. And there's about three or four different builds. Um, There's a bunch of different ways people are beating me. And uh, I do think it has like a 30% fail rate. Like I think some amount of the time you're just not going to draw your Phoenixes or you're not going to have enough gas. But I I think that the deck is very explosive and up to the point where people are really respecting that deck, it's going to be very powerful. So I'm expecting quite a bit of that. I also know that uh, our good friend Brian really thinks that that deck is good. And uh, we didn't make any bets or anything, but he did say that he would, uh, he would come on the first strike to, to ream me out when Arclight has its breakout weekend, just so everybody knows that I'm wrong. So uh, Brian's never coming back on the show again, is basically what he's saying. And uh, hopefully this weekend I win the GP and everybody can sub to my Twitch channel because I'm obviously a genius. Oh, definitely got to plug your Twitch channel. You talked about how you, you came up with a cyborg guy instead, and thankfully you've choos- chosen to monetize it. I'm sure Keith is proud of you also. 
instead of just posting it for free on Reddit as one of the most, as an MTG superstar, according to Rich Hagon, you've decided to give it to people who are subbing to your Twitch. So uh, let's plug that, twitch.tv slash misplaysginger. Uh, if you're going to play some standard and want some up-to-date sideboard guy from one of the biggest grinders on MTGO, sub to his Twitch channel. Go ahead. Gabriel Nassif actually followed me on Twitter like literally five minutes ago. So uh, if we weren't out here before, you know we're out here now. I have the entire team that won that Pro Tour following me on Twitter. How many people do you know that has all three of them following you on Twitter? Hmm? <laughs> uh, exactly. Chris Pakula was an early fan, so yeah. you know, you're getting some traction there. Um, Andy, have you been following Standard? Yeah, I've probably played. Uh, I've played a lot of standard, actually, just tons and tons of standard. I started by trying to build mono red decks, like uh, aggro decks, because I thought Steamkin was incredibly powerful. And I realized that Steamkin may be a good card, but <laughs> the rest of the cards were not very good, except for like uh, Experimental Frenzy. I think the days of Little Red are, are over. Like the control deck has a three mana wrath, and it can't even beat the the green-black creature deck, really, so I don't think that deck's very good. But uh, I've been playing a lot of Jeskai, as uh, I suppose Derek would call me crazy. But uh, I've been trying the list that uh, recently that Autumn posted that's playing uh, the Time Walks, the Nexus of Fates, and I've found my green-black and my control matchups have just, like, skyrocketed just compared to how I used to win against them. And now... That's the list I'm currently testing, but I, I played a couple PPTQs with just a normal Jeskai list, and uh, the Time Walks are, are... I really love that card. I love playing with that card. I'm, it shouldn't exist, but uh, it really adds a game plan where you sort of don't care if they're like going to Carnage Tyrant you or Veraski you. You just go over the top of that. All you have to do is keep like your Teferi alive. You have a lot of card advantage engines, so like you could just like go end a turn, like explode for seven, and then go like time walk, play a land, do anything relevant, time walk again, do anything relevant, and then all of a sudden you're up like five lands on your opponent. You play a Teferi, and then you can keep the loop going. So that's kind of been my experience with that deck. Seven mana explorer. It is sometimes, but I once I played against a control deck where I seven mana explored three turns in a row while they had a Niv Mizzet in play. <laughs> And so they're drawing, I'm drawing, and then eventually I play like Teferi minus it, and then I'm up four lands on my opponent. <laughs> so then I won the game because of it. Are those just like value Nexus, uh, Nexi, uh, Andy, rather than a dedicated taking turn set? No, no, you kill them by taking a lot of turns. And then you just burn them out twice with uh, Explosion. How, how many Nexi do you play? Four. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I got paired against Autumn. And Autumn crushed me game one. I think I jammed a Tyrant a turn too late. And then they, uh, they just cast Nexus, cast Nexus, cast Nexus, played Teferi, cast Nexus, played Teferi, and then I never got another attack step. Games two and three, though, I just jammed Carnage on turn six and won the game. But uh, I feel like the control decks that are... They, the, the plan doesn't always work, but when it works, it's sweet. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. I think I think that version of Jeskai has a good matchup against Green Black, and I think it has a good matchup against the other blue decks. So that's kind of where I'm leaning towards. And, and now I'm just trying to figure out how to keep up with these white weenie decks that are all I play against on Magic Online right now. And uh, so yeah. what I did is I added four Revitalize to the deck and just cut the Wraths because the goal is to just get to Teferi turn. Like turn two Vanguard is a game over for you. Not with Walla Mr. Baby. <laughs> really? It's in the sideboard. Not one, oh. but two. Wow. Turbo Mist. Can we get a can we get a card check on that one? Sorry, I don't play draft anymore. It's a one and a blue zero five defender. It was in Autumn's list, so I played it, and they said that it should probably just be seal away. But <laughs> I I sort of am in love. Somebody said this should be a better guard, but I like playing the wall. <laughs> I have been blocking a lot. You just sent a message when you play Wall of Mist, which is a draft all-star. 
Uh, actually, one of the most embarrassing moments of, uh, of my Magic career happened when I played turn two Wallamist against White Weenie post-board, and they just baffling ended it. What's that doing in their deck? It, it, it completely won the game for them. But they, you got got. Oh, my God. You they're got so got. far ahead of me on, on the levels. <laughs> baffling end. I couldn't believe it. You were baffled. That was your end. It was. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> but, yeah, so the deck just plays, like, for Rass, it's just for Clarion for me. And then... Uh, play a bunch of revitalize and just try I was like two removal spells in the whole deck. And he just uh honestly I, I, I've been doing well with it. Uh over three leagues, I'm like ten and five. And a, a couple times I think I messed up. I think I lost two of my matches. So the deck the deck has some promise and I have like it's been an absolute one sided affair against Green Black for me. Like Chemistry's insight is a is as much crap as I gave that card, it's actually a hell of a card. It's a little better you. than I thought. I told you it was good. Yeah, I, it was in my top five, Derek. <laughs> I still, I'm impressed. I think, I think somebody said to me in a format with no energy, I think uh, Chemistry's Insight is, is comparable to Glimmer of Genius. If, if you could use the, the energy from Glimmer of Genius, Glimmer of Genius is probably better. But I think they're, they're close. Yeah, it, yeah. so basically I thought it was bad when the only deck was like Esper Control and then when Jeskai happened. I think it's just so important that Jeskai has a lot of good two-mana removal spells and uh, the three-mana sweeper that I think that's what puts it over the edge, the three-mana sweeper. So like when you cast on turn four, you can mess around with your opponent. And then on turn seven, you could like flash it back and still have a three-mana sweeper. Like that, Those are the kind of turning points in a game. So the card's been... Yeah, the, the sweeper that, like, like shouldn't have been printed because it makes no logical sense. That, that, card's, a... that card's very good. It's funny because we've had, like, three mana deal three damage before. I don't think it's ever been this good. It's, uh, it's just kind of weird, you know? You just, like, always choose both modes. I, I literally always do just in case I mess it up. Yeah, like, like when you're on Moto, the only decks that are playing that deck are people who are insane playing Red White Angels and people who are insane playing Jeskai. And the Jeskai's players always choose both modes because why would they not just give their creatures lifelink when they have no creatures in play? Like, well, they have, what, what, they have a wall of mist, right? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes you have a, a wall of mist, and you just gotta give that, gotta give that young wall of mist lifelink. Just uh, wizards, what are you doing? I did a I did five zero with a a Jeskai list that played four Enigma Drake and four Crackling Drake and four Clarion, and let me tell you, against those white weenie decks, they don't stand a chance. <laughs> you gain so much life and you wipe their board. It's all you do. It's your whole game plan. I, I did want to kind of touch on the white weenie deck here. Uh, my my friend Marcus in Vancouver here. He won a he won the PPTQ here. Craig Wesco quoted him. Uh, as well as a uh, young prodigy in the, uh, who was third in the PTQ um, last week or two weeks uh, before. It seems like it was pretty well positioned against Green Black, for example, and Jeskai doesn't have a clean answer to the part at Anto Vanguard. Now, of course, these secret texts like Wall of Mist, like, I'm literally unbeatable and whatnot, but, but how, how do you guys think um, that deck is a position right now? I think, um, I think the biggest reason that that card is seeing uh, play is simply because people are not playing around Honor Guard right now. Um, I know for a fact when my opponent plays an Honor Guard on two, I, uh, I have a hard time winning unless I kill it. Um, and so it's like, to me, it's, it's been getting to weird uh, like game spaces where you have to save your removal for Honor Guard or lose the game or put all your things into play before they Honor Guard you. Um, the putting all the things into play works pretty well, except the majority of the creatures beat you on curve normally. Um, so it's sort of weird. Like when they play Honor Guard, they are pressuring you very much. If they go like Honor Guard and Knight of Benalia, you're like, uh, you're like, whatever, right? Like that's not, that's not fast enough. Um, but if they go like Knight of Grace and the Knight of Grace and the Honor Guard, you're like, you're in trouble. So. I don't know. I think I think if you just like have a cast down for the honor guard, um, you're fine. I think the rest of the deck, like on power level, is just uh, is just not 
good enough. But I think Honor Guard is the only real card in the deck, in my opinion, from the green black side. Not not history of Benalia. Have you ever played against two of those things? Yeah, that's and that's then. the other thing. <laughs> Whenever my opponent goes turn three history and a turn four history, I just sort of like look at my computer screen and be like, why can't I get this lucky? Yeah, I'm going to be attacked by so many four power creatures for yeah, so long. You, you like, it doesn't matter how many ravenous chupacabras you have. It's just like a turn too late. I think that like if you like sub white weenie up with like some of the Boros aggro decks, I think that uh, I think it's tier one. I th- think that it's tier one along with green black. And I think Jeskai is tier one as well. What do you think the red tokens? Go ahead. What do you think the red adds? You like like a Burrow's weenie? Like is it like Aurelia? Is it like the heroic reinforcement? So there's two different versions. There's a token version. That's the heroic reinforcements, and I have been impressed with that card, like killing me out of nowhere a lot. But uh, I like the the versions that are sort of just like Boros Challenger, Militia Bugler, Aurelia, and I think those versions uh, are pretty good. I've been pretty impressed with those as a whole. I've uh, I played a third version where it's um it's basically mono white aggro, and then they just play like a couple fight with fires and bane fires, and so they just like beat you down with Adonto Vanguard until the Adonto Vanguard like can't push through anymore, and then they just burn bane fire your face a bunch. And I've lost to that deck once or twice until I figured out what they were doing and just wild with walking them aggressively. But yeah. yeah. Wild Wildgrove Walker is a hell of a card. It's, in it's my, uh, sorry, it's single-handedly like put the uh, the white or the red weenie, the uh, the small red deck like off off the map now. In my opinion, well, everything beats it. <laughs> one of my, yeah, one of my favorite things that happened at the PPTQ I played this weekend on Sunday is my opponent played a turn two Vanguard on their multi five, and I'm playing Jeskai Control. I'm like, well, you're dead, Andy. This is it. They're mold of five, killed you. And so on turn two, I'm like, Justice Strike it. They're like, pay for life. On turn three, I'm like, Clarion. They're like, pay for life. On turn four, I Clarion. They paid for life. On turn five, I cast a Cleansing Nova. They paid for life. And then on turn six, I went Lyra Go. <laughs> and so they're at four, and they just go, go. And then I attack and kill them. <laughs> one shot, one opportunity. That's all it needed, baby. Got him. <laughs> Wow, the one time the Jeskai deck is good when your opponent balls to five. <laughs> Honestly, it would not have mattered that much because all I did was cast Wraths the whole game. Um, I just wanted to bring it back to Modern really quick because you mentioned, Andy, you mentioned Militia Bugler. What's the current state of that card? Have you followed up on it in its place in Modern? Are people drifting away from it? And do you know why? I think uh, this is a, a bad timeline for Militia Bugler. Modern has uh, become a terrible, horrible place where uh, Militia Bugler should not be found. It's not safe for them out there. They need, to, uh, they need to go away. They need someone stronger. I would definitely play Big Thalia here, personally. I hate Big Thalia too, but it's probably time. Tron, um, Dredge, you know, Bloodcast coming back, tapped. I think Big Thalia is the way to go. You know, maybe you play like one or two buglers, but have you ever played Big Thalia on the draw? <laughs> oh yeah, good night. Too late. It's horrible. Wow, this modern format sure sounds like a lot of fun. It's uh, to... it's sort of the worst it's ever been. Oh, the is worst it? it's been in a long time. It's gotten worse. I didn't know that was possible. Well, basically, modern is as a format stuck to only getting worse in my opinion because as new things get introduced it just makes things things have to be more powerful than they already are to change and so if things are changing that things things are getting more linear and more powerful there's there's no fair magic anymore nobody's having fun everybody's just looking at each other being like i'm sorry i have to do this Carn you Carn you deal 15 to myself play an 8 8 yeah yeah no one's jumping each other out well, that deck is the bads. <laughs> In standard, you can still play John. <laughs> Andy, so people that, that in the SCG top eight list that, that still have like one or two copies, you think they're just they're just holding on and they should just cut them, right? Yeah, I think they should cut them. Like t- two copies is uh okay. I think playing two for now is fine. But uh 
certainly don't play more <laughs> until the until modern. I don't know. They ban everything. I'm hey, not Andy, sure. if you sorry, if you embrace modern for what it is and love it for what it is, which is like a big uh, bingo game, you know, just like try to get matched up with the best matchup possible. You know, bingo. Exactly, bingo. Match up bingo. Just play the lottery, have fun, do bust the stuff. If you get stopped, oh well, too bad. So, m- modern is obviously, like, to me at least, it's obviously like a very fun format. I think it's a fun format, but I think it's, it is an awful competitive format, and all it does is, like, make me want to pull my hair out at all moments. Like, if you're like, hey, Andy, you have a big tournament coming up in a week, it's modern. I'm going to be in shambles for a week. Like, if, if I'm going to a local event just to have some fun, Modern's cool for that. I can play some wild deck that kills my opponent on turn two or three. There's, a, there's quite a few of them, and those are the only ones you want to play, and you just sleeve up a different one of those every, every week. <laughs> I, w- I wish you could find out... <laughs> if like on the pairing sheet it it showed your deck archetype and your opponent's deck archetype so see John look it up yes bingo <laughs> go to the seat like well I guess I'm going to get some lunch this round <laughs> um Derek is there anything to explore like tricky that you think is worth exploring like you know John said John can take and, and go into his lab and start working on and trying to break it I think um I think the one thing that standard has left to explore is that um it's I think this format's very a shifting meta game uh no no one deck will be at the top I think that like green black is the best deck to like have the cards to be at the top. But I think the, the week that green black's trying to beat red, it's losing to Jeskai or the week that is trying to beat Jeskai. It's, it's losing to um, the mirror or whatever. Right. Like, so to me, I think that's where the exploration is. And so maybe cards like the immortal sun will pop up every once in a while or, you'll have like I played a Phyrexian scriptures in in a PTQ or like you'll have like little little cards like that'll pop up. But I think there's no real new archetypes or new decks. It's just tuning and solving and fixing. But then again I could always be wrong and maybe they find Nexus of Fate for the PT again. What do I know? <laughs> so you're thinking it's more archetypical, right? No, it's less archetypical and more like individual tuning individual card selections. Yeah, I think it's um, it's also deck choice. If you, if you have the opportunity to make a different deck choice week by week, I think that's also an important um, thing to take a look at. But for the most part, I, th- I don't think it's going to be like they found a new... There's a Grixis deck now, you know? Like, I don't think there is a Grixis deck. Or, like, I, think, I think all the decks have been found. Yes, John, Grixis. Put it on the board. Well, l- let me pose this then, because you're on the format is solved camp here like i have a few ideas disinformation campaign is there anything there uh, wow okay i i want you to know that every time my opponent has cast disinformation campaign on turn three against me i won the game and it just wasn't close i i i don't know how to explain it other than that but like Dream Eaters, the rest of the deck isn't good. Disinformation campaign on an enchantment, fine card. Dream Eater, not good. Uh, Thought Erasure, not good. The Surveil one, very good card. You have to catch them at the right time. Like, you're not a control deck, right? You can't cast Disinformation campaign on turn three and counter my spell on turn three, right? So, like, it's very hard for you to have a Disinformation campaign in play for you to have a surveil mechanic in play or abusable. Like, you can't play Doom uh, Eater or Doom Weeper, Doom Doom Whisperer uh, in your deck and have a counterspell in your deck if I have Ravenous Chupacabra in my deck, right? Like, it just doesn't function that way. And every deck I've seen try to abuse disinformation campaign 
doesn't do it. Um, maybe in the future, maybe it's the sideboard tech. If the format becomes like when the new format comes out, if, uh, if there's like a really degenerate control deck, maybe you can put some disinformation campaigns in your sideboard for the control mirror. But right now I cannot see any, any spot for that card. Hmm, interesting. Well, one cool thing to me about this format, and Derek sort of touched on it, is that, so let's say of the viable decks, you could say the Jeskai's strategy, green black is a strategy, uh, mono red, in whatever capacity and like mono white all these decks have so many ways you could build them it's insane like when we get a deck dump for whatever reason we didn't get one it's going to be like 60 decks and they're just going to be like five different copies of all these different decks because there's so many different ways to build them and that's the cool part going into this pro tour at the very least is that like it's not solved there's no best whatever list of each of them yet and nobody's fully solved that yet until we get to the point where like our deck dumps are getting smaller because there's only two green black decks then we'll have a like a more solved format but i think for now the format's in a cool place where there's a lot of variation on these uh, archetypes that are known like even the blue red deck there's tons of different ways i've seen people build that deck and like they play out wildly different sometimes so i've been impressed with uh, the variety within archetypes Well, I guess I guess one more thought here is like Derek and the uh, KOAT here. I don't I don't think the cards Arc by Phoenix and Experimental Frenzy has been solved yet, and I think they are very inherent inherently powerful cards. So I know you mentioned Derek that you know the is it uh, Arc Light decks? Um, it's giving you some trouble some of the times. Do you think there's something there? And do you think that the optimal list for Frenzy has already been discovered? Because I don't think there it has been. The so I'll touch on the Arc Light Phoenix because I think it's easier. Um, the reason I don't like the Arc Light Phoenix deck is because for you to have Arc Light Phoenix, I'll just say Phoenix, uh, as a like a functioning card in your deck, you need to have some amount of spells in your deck. So you have a deck restriction, deck building restriction, you have a power restriction in an arc, in the Phoenix is only a 3 2 and it can be exiled really easy. So you have not a lot of threats. And then you have some amount of randomness and you're like milling through your library, trying to hit these Phoenixes, trying to kill your opponent. So like, I think Phoenix is powerful in a vacuum in a sense that like, if it gets turned on, it's very good. I think that in a format like modern, it's probably more abusable because there's more ways to consistently abuse it. Where in standard, there's less ways. Like in this format, if my opponent goes turn two Goblin Electromancer and I don't kill it, I'm probably dead. If I kill it, they're probably dead. And like that's what I found in the matchup. To me, in modern, it doesn't matter, right? You can just play all these one drop cantrips, mill your library, and like I don't know if you want to be playing Dredge Card. I don't know how you how Holy Diva built their list, but I think it's more abusable. As for Experimental Frenzy, I think that card is so insanely powerful that no matter how you build your deck, you can never solve it, if that makes sense. Because it's so powerful that, like, to some extent, if you're making it better, there's more area, like, there's no ceiling on it. I think the floor is very, um, the floor is rather high. I think the floor on the card, um, like it's bad more often than people think it is, but the ceiling on it is so much, like so drastically high that it's hard for me to say like that this card can ever be solved, if that makes sense. So I think both those cards are, are very good standard cards also. Interesting. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Derek, let's, let's talk about your stream a little bit as well. Are, are things going better? Or are you seeing an increase in subs? And I just want to know the, the health of streaming Magic or Arena right now. Just a quick little update on that. Um, so Wizards, as this is just what I know. I don't know the actual day. I didn't get an email on this or anything. But Wizards paid Twitch to put 
uh, MTG Arena on what's called a bounty board. And so if you're a partnered streamer, you can stream a game on the bounty board and you get paid based on your viewers. So when you see people stream MTG Arena, you, you'll see hashtags sponsored. So that's why we saw Raynad. That's why we saw, I think it was Dan's Gaming. And we saw, I think, Knox at the first hashtag streaming. They were getting like two to 5K viewers, right? It's like, why are these people streaming Arena? It's because there's a bounty board. Um, so Arena right now is very, very popular because there seems to also be a trickle-down effect. Um, streamers like Thundermole Hellkite, who started out on Moto, went over to Arena Beta streaming. Um, he really kicked off when that happened because there was sort of like a trickle-down effect of people coming over from Knox's stream to his stream to uh, another streamer named Elias V, I think it is. And so there's like this arena community that's really prospering and exploding. I think even Semulin's blowing up a bit too. I've seen his name up there and he's on the streamer stuff. Um, Moto is like also getting this trickle-down effect, but a lot more newer players, I don't think, and rightfully so, don't understand Moto or don't like like it as much. So like my stream has been ex- expanding a little bit, but I think it's also because it's a new standard format and I'm one of the only standard streamers because everybody's either testing for the PT or banned. Um, so I think like it's it's been good for me and it's good for Arena. And I think in general, Magic on Twitch has been very, 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 very good. Um, I think it's seen one of the biggest growths that I've seen in a lot of Twitch games other than like Fortnite or League of Legends, you know, like I think we were higher than Hearthstone for a bit. There was like a day where we were higher than Hearthstone. Or wow, something. That's, that's amazing. Like we were top 25 or something. I can't remember what exactly it was, but it was like some astronomical amount of people were watching Magic and uh, it was because of the sponsored Hearthstone streams. And I, th- I think it's really good. It's a good, it's a step in the right direction. Wow. Making inroads, being the, the top card game, CCG uh, stream. I like that. All right. Um, good luck in your event. Andy, are you, are you playing uh, any GPs? Yeah, I'm going to GP New Jersey. All righty. Nice. I'll see you there. Oh, hell yeah. Pew, 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 pew. Jessica versus Green Black. Uh, for Andy, John, and, and Derek, and, and John probably because uh, he has to go uh, – hide himself and work or something. We will see you next week and uh, good luck to everyone going to New Jersey. Good luck to anyone flying to the GP. I know a lot of the face-to-face game staff is actually flying to to France. So uh, good luck to everyone playing that as well. Thanks for joining us. Like, subscribe, give us a thumbs up if you enjoyed this show and we'll see you next time. Love you guys. Bye.